You are listening to the Nurturing Birth Doula podcast, where we aim to dispel the myths, debunk the stories, and help people better understand the role of the doula in the 21st century. I am your host, Sophie Brigstock, owner of Nurturing Birth and course facilitator, and I invite you to grab a cuppa, pop on your headphones, and listen in as I chat to doulas, birth keepers, and nurturing birth friends about all things perinatal. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Nurturing Birth podcast. It's me, Sophie Brigstock. And today I am really, really thrilled to invite the lovely Amy Simpson to join me. Amy is a friend of Nurturing Birth, not a doula yet. And we'll dive into that a little bit, I am sure, during this episode. Um, But welcome, Amy. Lovely to have you here. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for asking me to join you. You are so very welcome. So uh, I always love giving people the opportunity to introduce themselves. I think you're probably far better at doing that than I am. So would you like to let our lovely audience know a little bit more about who you are? Yeah, so I'm Amy and I am the Baby Activator. And what I do is I support women to activate the magic that is already within them as they prepare to not only receive, but to conceive the baby that often they've longed for for mm. a long period of time. Yeah. yeah. So, so your work is is really around fertility and conception. Is that how you would describe it? Yes, fertility and conception. I I believe I do the part that comes before the work that we do around really birthing the mother first. Mm. People come to me because they believe that they are ready to conceive a baby. And often the work that I do is I prepare them to first of all birth themselves as the mother so that then they can receive and conceive the baby that, is, that I believe is already waiting for them. Wow. Wow. So how Tell me a bit about your journey into this work. How did you how did you start doing this? How did I start doing this? Well, I I always say that I believe that this work kind of found me. Mm-hmm. In sense, I'm, I'm an occupational therapist, so trained worked as an occupational therapist. Had my own daughter, and my daughter activated something within me, like becoming a mum. It was something that I always knew I wanted to be, but I think then actually really stepping into that and really understanding what that meant I had a real desire at that point to support anybody who wanted who who wanted to become a mum to have that opportunity Mm. and I think as an occupational therapist you know very much everything that I did was around understanding what really made you who you are Mm -hmm. all the roles that you identify with but often then, as life does for many of us, it throws us many challenges, whether that's from a health point of view or from, um, I suppose, like, um, what's it, like health or just like life circumstances. And what I always did was look at, well, how do I, how do we navigate around those challenges? How do we find a way through? Yeah. So I think for Ella really activating me as a mum, then bringing in that sense of, well, how do I support other people to navigate the challenges that might get in their way of conceiving? And that led me to do lots of other training around, um, I've trained in hypnotherapy, I've trained in lots of energetic practices, trained in reflexology, so really kind of understanding how the mind and body work as a whole. Mm. And understanding often that we are 
we're so conditioned, I think, sometimes to really look at a medical approach to health and to as, as our option to fix things, even though I don't yeah. believe things are broken, but to, to find a solution there. And I'm very grateful that we have a medical option, but I truly believe it's one it's one approach. And yeah. I, I very much firmly um, support much more of a kind of holistic mind-body approach. Because mm-hmm. as I said, I suppose I, I believe that we already have within us what we need. It's mm-hmm. just about activating that. It's about finding that and really like developing that and using it to its best. Yeah, I identify with that really strongly. The the sort of the subconscious part, the stories that we we tell ourselves, the things that we've we've brought in and experienced in our lives and how they impact us, but also the somatic side of things, the body, like what what's yep. going on in the body. So yeah, that's fascinating, really fascinating. And so how do you work? Do you work one-to-one or groups or, you know, how does how does it work? I do a bit of both. So I work one-to-one, but I also have like a group program that I, that I run. And to be perfectly honest, I prefer quite, a, a, I like a blend of both. Mm-hmm. I like to give my clients space to really explore their individual stories that yeah. are there for them. But I think there is so much value in when we, when, particularly when women, when women come into a space together to really listen, to hold each other, to really honour who they are and to, and just, I suppose, to celebrate everything that I believe women are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm hearing a lot of parallels um, I mean, I said at the beginning, you know, that you are our first non-nurturing birth um, doula guest. Um, and I'm hearing a lot of parallels in in your work with, with the work of a doula and in that I suspect there's a lot of holding space involved. Um, and that, I mean, it's one of the myths I think that I, I want to bust is that doulaing is only for pregnancy and birth and postnatal and actually I feel that doulaing can apply to any aspect of life I think you know I've heard of divorce doulas I've heard of death doulas I certainly was a GCSE doula yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a it's about how how we are with people how we support people at very fundamental times in their lives so I am very aware that there is um, there are fertility and conception doulas out there um it's not something I've explored myself but how what why do you feel like that kind of support is so important for people who are on that fertility conception journey yeah so uh, like I I would agree I think there's something really important about uh, major transitions in our lives Mm. that we we don't try and do it alone Mm. and I do think when it comes to like conception there's there is a story out there that it should be we've all we've all been in the classroom when we were told about you know to but it was implied that literally the minute you wanted to have a baby it just happened yep and that it was easy and that actually we needed to we almost needed to do everything that we could to prevent it Oh, I mean, fear of God put into us about you're instantly going to get pregnant and, you know, yeah. And and I think there's a really strong message that because it's because of where it's positioned, that actually pregnancy could ruin your life. 
Yes. And I think often what I then see is maybe somebody has heard that in a way or maybe the fear of what pregnancy could have meant mm-hmm. for them becomes a story that runs in the background or maybe they've maybe um, a lot of my clients maybe have become pregnant at a point where it wasn't the right time for them yeah they found themselves in an incredibly difficult place where they have to make a really hard choice Mm -hmm. about what is what's what's the right decision for them Mm -hmm. and I think there's so much then about whether it's around fertility and fertility like as I've seen about like abortion and different there's so many things that are so un we don't they're unspoken that then they carry this layer of shame I I was going to say shame big time yeah it's shame isn't it of of that sense of not only maybe are you finding it difficult to do the thing that you were told was easy so what does that mean about you Mm -hmm. or maybe you've made a decision that was absolutely the right decision but it was an incredibly hard decision Mm -hmm. and you've never told anybody and you've never explored actually how that feels yeah maybe you've um had a loss really early on and we've we've got this notion don't we around pregnancy that we don't it's a secret until 12 weeks yes we do and so if if you've been holding the most wonderful secret for then for then that secret to be taken away from you yeah where does all of that grief go yes yes so nobody gets to acknowledge that baby that means the world to you, even though they are not here. Like it just I think there's there's so many layers and layers around conception and around fertility. And I think we don't we still have the one narrative that is you meet somebody, you fall in love, you have a baby, bingo, it's really easy, and then happily ever after. And like Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm yeah, I'm hearing so much. I have met several people along my journey who had to make very difficult decisions earlier in their life which they did and then you know have have lived you know fine and then what comes up during pregnancy so working as a doula people you know I usually meet people once they are pregnant but it's often been the stories of what came before that have really impacted them and what they want going forwards and I think a lot lot of times in pregnancy and in birth itself in that in that labor room things can come out stories can come out shame that we've been holding for years I mean I I I am very very privileged as a doula and I know I'm not alone that clients have told me things they have never told somebody else yeah um and and often it is previous pregnancies that that are a big part of those stories so yeah I really hear that yeah and I, the, the thing I often say to when women come to work with me is I I generally always kind of say that I believe that the baby that is there for them offers them a gift first and I believe that that baby offers them the gift of themselves back mm-hmm. so whatever is getting in the way of them seeing themselves in their most kind of like illuminated version they're most like to see themselves completely as enough and as amazing as they they truly are then that's the work that I get to do with them first 
I get to give them all of themselves back so that they get to then step into motherhood in a sense of truly knowing who they are, having released some of those old stories, having released shame, and really allowing themselves to step into the next phase of their life in a way that feels really good to them. Mm. So one thing that comes up a lot for me, I, I had a, I worked a lot with um, so-called geriatric mothers. I can't stand that term, but people who were having their babies a little bit later on. Yep. Um, and a number of them went through really complex fertility journeys. What I witnessed several times was the lack in self-belief. Oh, yeah within those women or pregnant people so yeah. that they had lost faith in their bodies because their journey to pregnancy had not been straightforward and easy it hadn't been that oh quick shag behind the bike sheds and whoops yeah. we're pregnant yeah. um because it had taken it taken in some cases many years yeah. um that that lack of faith in the body and i'm assuming that's something that you work with quite yeah. a lot it is because I think there's a couple of messages that go along with that. The the geriatric is is oh. horrific. Um, so I think then you so women either believe that they're too old, so it's their fault that their body yeah their body's too old, their eggs are crap, they're too fat, they're not this, they're not that, and it's just it is such a harmful message that then just begins to chip away at who they are to their core. Mm -hmm. So yes, absolutely. And and I think when you I think when you desire something really strongly and it feels like your body is not on the same page as you, then it's really easy for you to feel like either that your body's abandoned you or your body's punishing you for something. Yes. Your body is broken. Yes. And none of that is true. None of that is true. I often think we are not we're not taught how to listen to how our body communicates with us. Mm. I think sometimes we we live in a world where we we become so disconnected from true from ourselves mm -hmm. and from really listening to our body that we we are often. If I think about some of the women who come who've had really painful periods, really heavy bleeds, who have been told like that's not very helpful let's just silence your body so we're taught to kind of if it if it's if your body's not doing what you want it to do then here's like go on the pill have the implant switch your body off because your body's an inconvenience yes because it's not it's not it's it's causing it's distracting you from other things and we're not taught that actually this is how our body is communicating that there's some level of imbalance so how do we recognize that our body loves us completely and how do we start to really treasure and honor and really care nourish and nurture our body from that place of knowing our body our body wants exactly as everything that we want mm. our body only knows how to get our attention through certain ways and pain or like disruption to our kind of menstrual cycle or her our hormones is one of the easiest ways for our body to communicate with us yeah for sure and we're not taught how to listen. We're not taught to how to really um, see our body and really 
and I suppose have that real sense of love and gratitude for what our body is doing. Mm. And we get so lost in what we believe our body isn't doing. Um, that yes, a lot of the work is to absolutely bring, to really build that belief and trust in your body again. So the word that came into my mind as you were talking then was inconvenient. Like our bodies can be inconvenient. And, and yeah, exactly. We can just go straight down a very medicalized route, can't we? So what I'm intrigued to know more about is, so, okay, if I think about the stories I've heard around fertility, yep. you know, people are, they will try again that is that thing I'm going to try to get pregnant that awful phrase for a year and then I will go and talk to the doctor and then at some point I will get referred for fertility treatment or some explorations which is a very it's a very medical route isn't it it's a it's a process it is a process now what you're talking about is a very holistic approach to fertility where presumably the medical side of things is is a part or can be a part of it yeah so what what else would you be kind of exploring so the first thing that I if I take it back to what you're saying there that I find that women often come to me and they have they they show me what their apps tell them what their body yeah yeah we hand over all of this power to an app an app an app who tries a robot uh an app and their algorithm tries to make us all of all the same. Yep. Try to fit into this box. So again, we give our trust and our power away to an app to tell us when we're fertile, when we should ovulate, when we when we should when we're expecting our period. And if which we is fit within that. Which is hilarious <laughs> because then when people have their babies, they do that with the books, the baby books. Uh, you know, they go to the baby book and say, Well, this is what my baby should be doing, rather than looking at the actual baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so that happens, and then I think then you go, and all of a sudden, we are then measuring what our body can, what we believe our body can and cannot do mm. through a range of numbers. Mm-hmm. And I just think we do not, we do not understand. There's part, there's certain measures that we understand in the body, and then a lot of it is guesswork because the body is phenomenal. Our body, yeah, we cannot see what our body does. Yeah. And because we can't see it, there's slightly that kind of, well, if you can't see it, it's not happening. Rubbish. Yes. Utter rubbish. Yes. Utter rubbish. Our body has this incredible wisdom. It, she knows exactly what she's doing. And we just need to get on the same page as her rather than try and make her body fit with something else. Yeah. But yes, there's then this sudden belief, I like, that we then need to, we need to then make our body do something because that's what fertility treatment is. That our body's not doing something and now that we need to make it do it. So we might not have explored, wait a minute, is my body trying to tell me that I am running my life at the moment at 110 miles an hour and there is no space for me? So my body's kind of got its hand up saying, I'm exhausted, please can we stop? And we've just kind of ignored that skimmed over the top and we've said right actually my body's not producing enough eggs my body's not so we just need to need to make the body work even harder yeah and I watch the heartache of couples go through rounds and rounds of fertility treatment where their their body absolutely does her its absolute best and produces as many eggs as it can and I see them have lovely embryos 
and then I see those embryos go back into, they put back into the body and they don't take. And then there's an assumption that in some way that the body can't do it. And I genuinely believe we've forgotten that the consultant I work with um, often describes IVF as transport. Mm. It puts eggs and sperm together. However, I believe that our job is to make sure the home, i.e. our body, that is going to be home to this beautiful little baby that we are inviting in, mm -hmm. that it is ready. And mm -hmm. it's a comforting, welcoming, well-rested, well-nourished, well-nurtured space that isn't stressed, so it's all of its... Um, it doesn't know whether it's safe or not for you to have a baby. It doesn't know whether it needs to protect you from having a baby because at the moment it's running on empty and it's got its foot down and it's run, working as hard as it possibly can. Mm -hmm. And it has no idea whether there's enough for you, never mind enough to really nourish another another little being. Yeah. But we don't, There's I, I see time and time again that couples are not, I like fertility treatment is sold as the answer. And it, yes. it, can, it can be the answer, but my plea, I suppose, to anybody is do the work to really make the home ready mm. and then invite the baby in. Which, I mean, has so many knock-on, um, you know, relations to what we talk about as we prepare somebody to birth their baby, as we talk about preparing for the the, the fourth trimester, the, the first kind of 12 weeks or so of having a baby and you know, what do you need to look after yourself in that time? Because it's matrescence, it's this emergence, it's this transition into a new stage of life, isn't it? And opening up your, your body to nurture. I mean, it, it continues to blow my mind, pregnancy. It really yeah. does. Yeah. How we manage to do that and create human beings is just, yeah, it is mind-blowing. Um so, yeah, I really love that. And it sort of ties in with with physiology. We talk a lot about physiology on doula courses and what the optimum physiology would be for an for an ideal physiological birth and how at odds we are with that in our sort of day to day life. We are, you know, if if we're told, oh, you know, you've got to achieve 10,000 steps a day, we're just constantly looking at the Fitbit or the watch or the, you know, the app to see, well, Oh, I'm at 9,452. That's not enough. But what is my body actually telling me that I need? You know, there are days when I would happily walk 18,000 steps and days when six, yeah. 60 is enough. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. And I think that's it. Is we, like, particularly for females, like, we live in, like, the world around us is a very masculine world. Mm. We are expected to show up. Mm -hmm. every single day in exactly the same way and we are we're cyclical so our energy is different every single day we are different every single day yeah so we're we are trying to take our feminine energy of what we when we are in that stage of preparing for conception or birth where we need to be but we're trying to fit it into this masculine world mm. that requires us to ignore it that requires us to show up and do and 10,000 steps, right, okay, I need to do that. The other thing that I often say to my clients is, like, what is a fertile body? Like, to mm. me, a fertile body is not a certain shape, size, number. It's not, it's yeah. a fertile body is a happy body. A fertile body is a body that is in flow. A fertile body isn't a contracted, really tense body. 
a fertile body is this beautiful, nurturing, happy. There's a soft, like all of those words that I associate with femininity, like softness. It's not this, and yet I see women trying. I don't, I don't know whether I think women sometimes are so to be what we are the picture that social media shows us as what a healthy body is yeah lean, lean body with no body fat with yep. no and I think what how how can that how can that body that is so restricted how what resource is it using to really to feed and nourish you yeah so to feed and nourish the baby that you're absolutely welcome absolutely and so what what if any work is done with partners yeah so I think with partners the biggest thing I do is a lot of relationship work Mm -hmm. because I think what I think in the process sometimes if it's been a bit of a a bumpy journey to get there or it's taken much longer then it becomes about that we have a task to do that we yes that we have to have sex at the right time whether or not any of us what a pressure and what a pressure whether or not any of us is interested it doesn't matter if it's good and either of us enjoy it oh it just it there is a means to the end of this yes and i think that sometimes i find when couples come they've lost each other in the process yeah it's become very transactional hasn't it yeah and they're so and they're so protective of each other. So yeah. there's so much emotion that is not discussed. And they're both in that kind of thing of, often I find that when I, cause I like to see couples together. I also like to see them individually because often what I hear them say, it's a, it's a message that's mirrored because often they'll say, I'll hear the fem- like one partner say, I'm scared that they will leave if I cannot have a child. Yes. And then yes. it's exactly the same. If I cannot give them a child, will they yeah. leave? Should I should I tell them to leave? Yes. So there's this real sense of loss. Yeah. About potentially we could lose each other in this. Those core fears that so many of us have, fear fear of abandonment, fear of being rejected, you yeah. know. It I think, yeah, that comes through loud and clear, doesn't it? And I think there's just a sense of to know, understandably, there's so much noise across social media about what you should or shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And life can become so restrictive because it can mean that, you know, you no longer have alcohol, you don't have this, you don't, like fun is removed. Yeah. So a big part of what I like to encourage couples to do is actually to remember what they enjoy together and to really look at intimacy mm-hmm. and all that's not for it, just not not just to think of sex around their fertile window but actually where is their connection what do they love to do together like actually I often say that they're you're in the process of writing the most beautiful love story and you need to remember it like you're the main characters in this love story and that the love story the love story gets to have this embellishment almost at the end but it's a beautiful love story already and it's like remembering that and really nurturing that that's so important. Oh, I love that. It's just that's so beautiful, isn't it? It's so beautiful um, it, because it can be so challenging and it does, you know, it challenges on every level. It challenges the relationship we have with ourselves. It challenges our relationship if we are in one 
Um, It challenges the relationship we have with the dream future child or children, you know, that we've, we've thought about all of these years. Um, And it brings up so much stuff from the past and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember so vividly clients of mine saying that they couldn't be around friends or family members at all who were pregnant or had children. And it just became so painful. Yeah. They just literally had to remove themselves from that. I think that that's probably the thing that I hear most is my clients will say to me, I feel lost and alone Mm -hmm. because lost because I have no way. I feel like I've explored everything. I'm doing everything that I should do. Yeah. And I have that lovely word should. Yeah. And I've also life has become so small because I can't be around people because it hurts. Because they've joined the mum club. Mm-hmm. And it does not seem to matter what I do, I cannot get in. Yeah. So there's that real loss of belonging to their friendship groups or belonging to other spaces that maybe they were in before. Yes. And then even worse, if your friends in the mum club don't seem to be, you know, enjoying it or, you know, yeah. yeah. if you've been dreaming of that for so long and you see your friends going, oh, my God, I mean, I just wish I could hand them back or something I mean absolutely heartbreaking really heartbreaking Mm. and I like when you mentioned earlier on that you know we talk about trying to conceive I personally don't like that either and I'll often say it's like I prefer falling pregnant because I think there's this sense of when we think about when we ask somebody to know how did you fall in love people don't really know I didn't it wasn't like x y and z it was a combination of lots of things and it was just time, space, and it happened. You didn't do anything. It was it was just something that happened. Yeah. And I think falling pregnant is the same. Yeah. It is that sense of it's a momentum that happens. And you, when you are, because fall, when when you fall in love, you are like you feel light, free. All of these things are there. And you're having fun. You're really not. You're really spending time with people that somebody that you love to be with. Mm-hmm. And if you can take all of those aspects, I think for when it when the time feels like it's it's the right time for you to welcome somebody else into that that love and into that space, you get to just extend that and invite them in. Yes, I totally hear that. One thing that's coming to my mind is that, I mean, I obviously know that you are a magical human being. Mm-hmm. However, I'm assuming that not everybody who comes and works with you does fall pregnant. Not everybody. So how, how are they supported? How are you able to work with people to find a peace yeah. where that's concerned? I think what becomes really important in the work that we do in in preparing is that when you come back to being who you are you know that your worth is not defined yes by a role that you play yep and you get to really see yourself and in the value of who you are and to remember that yes maybe there's there was part of you that only ever saw motherhood in one coming to you in one way Mm-hmm. 
but you what I do is I often help women or like couples explore like what what how do you fulfill that need in a different way what else could that mean yeah or how do you get to a place where you realize actually we have an amazing relationship we have a wonderful life together and we have we get to share the love that we thought was only going to be available to a child that we got to welcome Mm -hmm. we get to share that with friends we get to share that with family we get we get to share that with each other and we can we get to express that love in lots of different ways yeah yeah so it it does sound like that that feeling of coming back to themselves and and a sense of of peace a serenity around it the thing I often find Sophie is that sometimes women say to me it's it's because there's that story sometimes at the very beginning that we should all want to be like we should want to yes yes and I'm I don't know what your experience is at the moment but a lot of my friends have chosen not to go down the the having children path um which has been so interesting to me because I mean I ran ran fully headfirst into it at at quite a young age um so to now be in my late 40s and have a number of friends who actively chosen not to have children it's it's been a really interesting one for me because again that's just a different narrative to what we're told and also for many there's many people that I know who are now exploring parenthood on their own yes yes again who says you need to wait until you find the perfect partner like I think we get to really challenge all of the stories that are there and we get to we get to find whatever whatever version of that feels like the right fit for us and we don't need to justify it to anybody we just get if it feels right for us like follow what feels good is my biggest advice to anybody that I work with so I think if we let go of all the things that we believe that we should do or that are expected of us Mm -hmm. and we follow what our heart desires what feels good to us that takes us to a place where is which is often the place that we're meant to be oh you're making my heart sing saying that (laughs) I totally totally agree with that (laughs) Amy I feel like we could speak all day genuinely because this is a really interesting topic and and not one that I think is discussed very much and I would really love to see more doulas moving into the area of supporting families and and actually no a step further than that I would love to see more parents to be exploring this kind of work really kind of giving themselves permission to you know get clear about themselves well I always think you know we we very much look at the investment that we make when when we find the person that we may choose like if we talk about um, getting married yes we invest all this time and space in preparing for that Mm -hmm. like we go all in we get we we invite certain people in to be part of the planning and preparation for that yep and that's for a big life event why would we not do the same when we then choose to step into parenthood why would we not begin to prepare and to really invest the time and effort the space to yes. really get clear on what we want what that's going yes. to look like yes for us. yes absolutely yeah. and it's it's that same old story 
you know, with doulaing, people talking about, well, it's a luxury. Is it to invite crucial support into your lives when you are in that life-changing situation? I mean, that to me is a no-brainer. It's going to have a long-term positive impact on on your life, your family, your relationships, your bond with your child. I mean, you know, yeah. no brainer. What else, is, what else is more important? Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, actually, I'd rather buy a really posh buggy. Really? <laughs> I think yeah. you'll find that your baby's probably not that interested in it in the first yes. place. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so how can people find out more about you, Amy? Um, probably on Instagram is the easiest place to find me, mm-hmm. just there, um, or just even on my website, just amysimpson.co.uk. Fab. Um, yeah. And what's your Instagram handle? Instagram is Amy Simpson Mind Body Baby. Amy Simpson Mind Body Baby. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much for coming to join me. I've really, really loved hearing more about your work. And I'm very excited about how doulaing is going to come into your life <laughs> more as things go on. <laughs> I think it's happening. I, do I know it's happening. happening. I know yes. it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been a joy. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Nurturing Birth Doula podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you've got any questions or any feedback, don't hesitate to come back to us. It's info at nurturingbirth.co.uk. And do follow us on social media at nurturing underscore birth on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find us on Facebook as well. Please do give us a review if you've enjoyed this episode. We are on Spotify, we're on Apple, and we would love to hear your thoughts about any future episodes you'd like to hear. So do get in touch. Thanks for listening. Bye.